In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I will ask a serious question. What is more valuable, potential or production? This is something that NBA scouts and teams are going to face because there are a lot of really talented players who have a lot of potential, but on paper, they're not producing. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Well, it may be afternoon or evening by the time you listen to this, but happy Valentine's Day. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies, which I am in the process of bringing it back. NBA Draft Junkies was my baby that I started in 2016, kind of helped me get this position where I'm at today. It has definitely been on the back burner for a little more, a little around a year now since I've taken over at Big Board, but I, I plan on bringing it back and maybe using it as a platform to help other aspiring draft writers or journalists or video analytics guys to to get their start. So that is my plan. I'm working on it now. Problem is I just do not have a lot of time. But anyway, this episode is about potential and production. I have an article coming out on NBA bigboard.com should come out sometime today and i'm just gonna just give bits and pieces of the article and and actually by me doing a podcast i have more opportunity to 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 go into detail and, and talk a little bit more so when i mention potential or production i'm talking about the dilemma that NBA scouts are in when it comes to evaluating a prospect simply because there are guys that are really productive in college basketball, but they may not have a game or skill set that necessarily translates to success in the NBA. While there are guys that are not producing, not putting up any numbers, and they have the potential to play a role in the NBA just, again, based off their potential, whether it's athleticism, defense, and so on. So it, it leaves scouts in a, a, a bit of a pickle. So I had a chance to talk to different NBA scouts about this, and I got some very interesting answers. So some of the names that come up. As far as when you're trying to decide, is it their production or their lack of production that you may hold against them? Or is it just the talent? You see the talent, you see the role that they'll play in the NBA. And you say, even though they weren't producing at a high level in college, and a lot of times it's it's a freshman. Usually you you can't be like an upperclassman that's not producing and end up (laughs) being in this box of, of potential. So one of the first names that comes up is Derek Lively. Obviously, Lively was, by many uh, rankings, considered the top player. I know ESPN 
had him as the top player in the country. And I've talked about Lively a lot over the past few weeks. But we're talking about a guy that is currently averaging four points, four and a half rebounds, 2.2 blocks. Not numbers that you would expect from someone that was the number one recruit in the country. I still think he's going to end up being a first rounder. I do think that his role in the NBA as as maybe like a finisher, a shot blocker is solid. I don't know if he, I mean, even though he did show signs of being able to space the floor, we haven't really seen that at Duke. So that's another thing you have to consider. If you watch his high school film, you see that he has the potential to be a shooter, but it may not necessarily show right now because is it A, he's not given the freedom to shoot, or B, he has lost some confidence because he's not being featured. I mean, there's so many different things. So when I talk to a scout about about Lively, he has some pretty good things to say. He mentioned that he is still high on Lively, and here's an exact quote. I'm still high on Derek Lively, even though his numbers are bad, because bigs have usually had success their whole life. They don't realize how difficult it is to make an impact when they get to the next level. Think about it. It didn't matter who was on their team in middle school or high school because they were going to be the best player. It's hard for guys like him to know he needs help when he's never needed it before. So basically what the scout is saying about Lively is that he went to the wrong school. This is his opinion. He felt like he went to the wrong school and he should have chosen a school where he'd be featured and a school where they had a point guard that was going to be able to get him the ball. So in this case, this particular scout is going to draft lively or would draft lively as a first round pick based off of his potential and not his production. Another player that came up when I spoke with scouts about potential or production was Adem Bona for UCLA. Bona's not having a monster season by any means. I mean, the numbers aren't bad. I mean, they're actually they're actually better than Lively's. Right now, he is averaging, which is respectable, 8.5 rebounds per game, shooting 66% from the floor. Hasn't made a three, 62% from the foul line, averaging 1.5 blocks per game. So the production isn't bad by any means. But this is another scout's opinion. He says, take UCLA freshman. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm reading from the article. We know he's a freshman at UCLA. But he says, take Adem Bona, for example. I really like Bona. Some people are going to evaluate him based on their expectations of him expanding his game. Sometimes that's unfair because he may never need to expand his game. The only thing he'll need to do is be active, play with a motor, be able to switch on ball screens, protect the rim, anchor the defense, be tough and aggressive, rebound, and run the floor. So this is a scout that believes in, I guess it's a combination of both, because he's not necessarily saying that Bona is a high potential guy, but he's not saying that Bona's production or lack of production or however you may look at it is is shocking to him but no matter what he believes that bona is someone that he would take in the first round of the nba draft if it was up to him i mean he's he's a scout he doesn't necessarily have the 
final say so. But he believes Adembona is a first round pick just because he has a simplified role and he thinks that he would be good at that role in the NBA. He even mentioned that he thinks he could play the five. Well, he shouldn't say that. He mentioned he thinks he could play the five. He believed he is a five. And the comparisons he threw out for Bona were potentially Jared Allen, Robert Williams, and Nick Claxton. Now, I personally think he's smaller. I don't think he is as tall or as long as Jared Allen. And again, I don't have the measurements out in front of me. I don't know if he is as long as Robert Williams either, but I felt like Robert Williams, I thought after his freshman year, if he would have came out, would have been a top 10 pick. Maybe Bona, or not Bona, but maybe Williams fell because of some of the the character issues and you know, just the negative press he had surrounding his, his name as a sophomore. But one of the things this particular scout mentioned was Bona doesn't have any of those things. So he thinks if he can be Robert Williams, he's a first round pick. And it's Robert Williams without any negative press or, or just any negativity surrounding his name. So I had another scout that I spoke with that was speaking on on big men and why production is not necessarily important to him and he mentioned that he liked nick claxton as a freshman so i'm gonna read the quote he says i evaluate based on what's required based on a player's skill set not what i think they will be if they add it to their game nick claxton is having success because of his motor he's agile for his size and he's athletic I thought he was an NBA player when he averaged three points per game as a freshman. So his his lack of numbers didn't scare me, which is very valid, which is why there's a player that I like, um, Donovan Klingon from UConn, that the production is very good considering the minutes. But overall, when you look at the production, it's decent. But I think Donovan Klingon is is going to be a starting NBA center at some point. I'll get more into that, but first let's talk about FanDuel. FanDuel is the number one sports book, and we are at the midway point of the NBA season. Actually, we're a little past that because All-Star Weekend is coming up. And as a kid, I used to think All-Star Weekend was like halfway point at like the 41-game mark, but we're really down to like 26, 27, 28 games depending on the teams. So we're, we're actually going downhill <laughs> as far as the NBA season. But it's still time for you, a first-time user, to get a no-sweat first bet up to a thousand bucks. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores to threes made. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more every moment. More with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Once again, you're listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow. And in the first segment, I talked about a few big men that have scouts really having to consider what's more important, their production 
or their potential. So now I want to talk about a few wings that came up in, in this conversation. And before I get into the wings, I had something that was mentioned to me by a, a parent. It was back in November. This parent has a son that is projected as a two-year player in college. The feedback that he got was his son was probably going to need a couple years and he'd be an NBA prospect. So what the parent was facing was that his son is playing behind a 23-year-old grad transfer. So I'm going to read the quote. My son was projected to be a two-year player, but he's having a hard time finding minutes because he's an 18-year-old playing behind a 23-year-old grad transfer. While he has all the tools NBA teams are looking for, the feedback that we've received has been good, but his coach is more interested in winning games than developing players for the NBA, which is honestly what he's paid to do. So his job is to win, but thankfully, NBA teams value potential and upside more than stats. So this is a parent that has definitely done his homework. He is a little bit disappointed that his son is not getting the playing time that he thought he would receive. Um, I guess in the recruiting process, the coach never mentioned that he was going to go out and recruit some grad transfers or going to be active in the portal. But overall, the parent feels like the feedback that his son has received, and I don't know where the feedback is coming from. The parent basically just feels like the feedback is has been good and the NBA teams understand why he's not playing and they like his potential and upside so I talked to like I said I talked to multiple scouts and they all had different views on potential so here's one uh, opinion of a scout if a player was the McDonald's All-American in theory they have a pretty good likelihood to get drafted because they were a top 20 to 25 player in the country I like to look at players and measure them against their peers. That's what screwed up Imani Bates. Him just had an episode yesterday talked about Imani Bates. And this scout says, if he had stayed with his peers, he would have always been considered one of the best. He reclassified up. He got away from his peers. And sometimes it's hard to unsee something. And so the longer version of the conversation was this person believes that Imani really struggled in a sense because he was 17 years old and he was playing against older players in college basketball. And even though the person can say, well, you know, you go to NBA, there's going to be guys that are much older. But this particular scout, his theory is I like to measure guys against against their peers. And with college basketball getting older, it can make it a little bit harder to evaluate some of the freshmen or younger players. I mean, of course, you're going to have your your guys that stand out no matter what. Like, for example, I just saw Fran Fischilla tweet how many of the five-star players from 2022 are actually playing like five-stars. So I did the math, and I would say ESPN had 25 guys that they ranked as five-stars. Maybe nine at the most have played like five-stars. Which goes back to a point I made a few minutes ago. College basketball is getting a lot older. You have the grad transfers. You have the guys that got extra year of eligibility from COVID. So there are teams that have rosters full of guys that are 23 years old. Like I know for me personally, when I graduated college, I was 
22. I entered at 18 and I was 22. But there are teams that have 24, 25. I think Memphis has a guy, um, Williams. I can't think of his first name. Starts with a D. I can't think of his first name for whatever reason right now. I think he's like 26. So college basketball is getting older, which can make it a little bit difficult to evaluate some of the, the freshmen, especially the ones that are 18 years old because they're playing against guys that are four or five years older than them. Another scout mentioned, and this is a quote, I think it depends on their age, and I think you have to look at their environment. When I see a kid that has potential and hasn't connected the potential with the production, I'm looking to see what we as a team can do to develop them and bridge the gap. So this is a scout that just sees potential. He is not too concerned about the lack of production because he's digging deeper into why they may not be productive. Another scout says, sometimes it's about who's coaching them. Are they being pushed? Are they put in position to be productive? I think the lack of production can depend on the number of factors, and you have to weigh all of those factors. But ultimately, as the NBA team, we have to decide if a player has a skill set that translates and that can be developed once he's in our program. So this is another scout that is leaning towards the potential over the production but this is where we we got i got a couple scouts to actually mention some names so one scout says when you talk about potential the first person i think of is dylan mitchell he is all potential and he went on to say i think in the modern game athletic guys that can't shoot to me are fives so what position is dylan what's the difference between him and greg brown he also mentioned um um, and outside of the quote, he mentioned Kendall Brown. So further on in the quote, he says, right now he plays like a five at six, seven or six, eight, around 200 pounds. So when you talk about potential versus production, he's who I'm looking at to be a four. I believe you have to be able to dribble, shoot and pass. So he, he was saying that Mitchell plays like a five, but he doesn't think he's a four because fours, in his opinion, have to be able to dribble, shoot and pass. And he says, the question is, what translatable skill does he have and how can it be developed? But I think he picked the wrong school. So this is another scout that is he's actually torn about Mitchell. He didn't necessarily give a definitive answer on what he feels about him, but he thinks he's a five and he doesn't have the position to be a five. But he also thinks that Dylan Mitchell picked the wrong school. So that is also Something that has come up twice in the interviews that I did is that when scouts are evaluating players and when they're factoring in the, again, the potential and the production, they are factoring in if the guy went to, in their opinion, what is the right school. So I think that is something that we have to really um, take into account. So. All right. When we return, I'll talk about a few players that come to mind when I think of we have to weigh the balance between potential and production. But in the real world, that is not basketball team or companies aren't necessarily hiring on potential. They are hiring on production. So if you are a small business and you're looking for someone that is going to be productive, then you have to check out LinkedIn jobs because you know that your success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with 
And that is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs help you, helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs. With their targeting tools, they go beyond the resume data by using insights from your job posts. And they have over 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of to the most qualified candidates. So you can identify the most qualified prospects, that is job prospects, not MBA prospects, but you can identify the most qualified prospects on LinkedIn jobs and help connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. It is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs, it helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to and faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That is LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. All right, last segment. All right, so let's talk about some of the players that come to mind, at least in my opinion, that are going to give NBA scouts a, basically, NBA scouts are going to have to decide, is it their production or is it their potential? So, you know, the the lottery guys, I mean, there's quite a few freshmen that have played well. The first name to me that comes out is Derek Whitehead. Derek Whitehead is having a, a rough year, to be honest with you. He's dealt with some injuries. He's averaging eight points per game. He's shooting 39% from the floor. The 38% from three is definitely respectable. It's on about 3.7 attempts per game. Shooting 93% from the foul line. So you see that the shooting has been good overall. He's averaging two rebounds, one assist per game. The production hasn't lived up to his ranking because I think in some rankings they had him as the number two player in the country. I know ESPN had him at number two. Just depending on scouts that I talked to, some believe the shooting translates. They like the size. They like the fact that he's young. And then there are some that just feel like he doesn't rebound. The assist numbers and like the turnovers are, are concerning. They're concerned about his athleticism and so on. But he is on my list of guys that I think NBA team is going to have to really choose between this is potential outweigh the production that he showed. Another guy, obviously, Khalil Ware, a name that I've talked about before in this draft. Seven points, four rebounds per game. He was a McDonald's All-American. Um, a lot of people thought he was going to be a lottery pick coming into the season. Just has not had the production that you're looking for. Seven points, four rebounds. He's averaging 1.4 blocks per game in 17 minutes. Shooting 44% from the floor, which I don't necessarily like that for a center. And he's shooting 28% from three. He has had some games where he's shown flashes of touch. The free throw percentage isn't bad at 72%. So, you know, when you're evaluating where, you see the size. He's seven foot. He's athletic. Shows promising touch. But the motor is the biggest concern for me. But if you're an NBA team, you probably can draft him in the first round. You know bigs develop a little bit slower. So he is someone that I think teams are going to have a really 
difficult time trying to evaluate him based off of his production. All right, Dylan Mitchell, guy we talked about, 5.8 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, averages less than an assist, less than a block, less less than one block assist still, averages more fouls than assists, blocks, steals, shooting 45% from the free throw line, has not made a three-pointer, shooting 62% overall. Last I checked, he hadn't made more than three shots outside of the paint. But he was ranked number four by ESPN in 2022. So this is the perfect example. The production is not there, but he's crazy athletic. One of the best athletes in this draft. And this is a draft that has some some pretty phenomenal athletes when you consider the Thompson Twins and Mitchell, Cam Whitmore, and so on. But he's 19 years old, and he cannot make a shot outside of the paint. Not even free throws. He's only averaging 1.4 free throw attempts per game, and he's only making 45% of those. So if a team drafts Dylan Mitchell, it is clearly all about his potential because the production just hasn't been there. Then there's Lively that I mentioned, 4.4 rebounds per game, 2.2 blocks. Has come on as of late. He has had a few games where he had some monster performances as far as blocks. Had an eight-block game against Carolina. Four blocks against Wake Forest, three blocks against Georgia Tech, and five blocks against Miami. All of this has been within the last month or so. Prior to that, I mean, before that, he had one game where he had five blocks. It was against Maryland Eastern Shore. So he has shown some flashes to turn the corner, but overall, the production has has not been there, especially for someone that is the was the number one ranked recruit julian phillips the production has been more than i thought nine points five rebounds per game he has the positional size what's interesting is he's the same exact size at least according to the measurements i have as dylan mitchell but dylan mitchell according to this guy and i agree has played more like a five while julian phillips has shown wing skills but but the biggest concern about phillips is the shooting that would be his role in the NBA as a shooter, but he's only shooting 27% from three on 1.5 attempts per game, shooting 41% overall. The free throw percentage is good at 81%, but he is rebounding, but he is someone that I think his NBA role is going to depend on how well he shoots it, and so you have to factor in is the potential as a shooter worth him being a first-round pick, which... It'll be interesting that happens. Then there's Jordan Walsh. Jordan Walsh was another highly touted prospect. I think he was number 11 in ESPN's poll. He's averaging seven points, 46% from the floor, 28% from three, 72% from the foul line. He's averaging 3.8 rebounds. Really good athlete, long, has the potential to be a guy that can defend all over the floor. But again, the production hasn't been great. And if you're like a little older, you remember when in order to be an NBA draft pick, you had to have numbers. But as you know, the the players entering the draft get younger, we're starting to see more and more guys that are first round picks or top 40 picks without averaging 10 points per game with humongous holes in the game. And it's because the NBA draft is all about potential. But then again, 
how do you know if the lack of production is going to translate to NBA? Because I, I believe that in a lot of cases, if you're not productive in college, then I wonder how productive you will be in the NBA. Now, there are cases where guys weren't really productive in college and they've had fine roles as NBA players. And then I've seen it over the past two years, I won't mention names, where there were guys that were clearly not ready for the NBA, not close to ready, major holes in their game. And they weren't able to develop fast enough for the NBA. And now they're like 22, 23 years old, and they're out of the NBA. And the biggest one is Bob Bob Miller. Bob Bob Miller is averaging three points, three rebounds per game. He's 6'11", guard skills. He's really struggled. He's only shooting 14% from three, 45% overall. He's only played nine games, had the big suspension issue. But the production, three points, three rebounds per game in 17 minutes, definitely doesn't work in his favor. But I have heard, I have heard from a little birdie that he will be back next year that the plan is to return and have a full season of college basketball and improve his draft stock, which I still think no matter what, even if the numbers stay the same, I think there's a chance that he would he would get drafted as a second round pick this year just because of his size, fluidity and, and skill set. And it will have absolutely nothing to do with his production. Well that wraps up this episode. Just gave some examples on production and potential and just a few conversations that i had with nba scouts thank you for making this locked on nba big board podcast your first listen thank you for listening on valentine's day because i know you probably have other things to do but now make your second listen the game to game podcast every moment every top performance every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the nba with local analysis that only locked on can deliver so follow game to game on locked on nba it is available on the odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcast once again it's rafael barlow and i am out <laughs>